Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today on the show, I'm sharing my conversation with financial coach Penny Kidd. I love this conversation. Penny is just so easy to talk to, and I love that as two professionals in the industry, we talk so much about the behaviors around money versus actual numbers and math, which is what most people think that money is, right? So with a background in social work and counseling, Penny takes a very hands-on teaching approach without judgment, which is the important thing here. I really think that's the reason why so many people fear money in the first place. So here's a little bit more about Penny. She is not an investor or an advisor. She's a financial coach. Pennywise Coaching is about helping you connect your money, goals, and values and learn the day-to-day skills to achieve your goals by creating a custom spending plan to pay off debt and live within your means so you can build wealth for a future you deserve. Penny Kidd was a social worker for 30 years and combines that with her experience of eliminating all her own debt, including the house, to mentor others who are ready to achieve financial freedom. As a compassionate coach, educator, and accountability partner to women and couples for seven years, Penny takes the shame and embarrassment out of money to fast-track a future you desire. She's been married almost 30 years to her husband, Mark, and has two amazing kids in their 20s who graduated from college without student loans, and she has two dogs who have taken their place in the nest. In our conversation, we talk about what motivated Penny to do a career change and become a financial coach starting her own practice. The beauty of aligning actions and behaviors with intention, how to have a good relationship with money, how to make your money behave, which is a term that Penny uses a lot in her practice by giving each dollar a purpose, and lots of tips and tricks to help you on your personal money journey. If you guys are interested in learning more, you can follow Penny at her website, pennywisecoaching.com. She also has a Facebook page and is on LinkedIn and Instagram, and you can follow her there. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hi, Penny. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited too. So I would love to start by having you tell the listeners about yourself and your mission in the world. Sure, I'd love to. Um, so my name is Penny Kidd, and I have a business called Pennywise Coaching. Um, I am a mom of two, been married 30 years this last month. And so my kids are kind of flown the nest for the most part. One came back because of COVID, but we're hoping she flies again here soon. And um, yeah, so I have actually been a social worker most of my career. So I worked um, in child protection, started out with adolescents and then facilitated family meetings um, in the human services arena. And then um, as I kind of got my own finances cleaned up, um, 
I wound up people around me saying, how'd you do that? You know, when we paid off about $30,000 worth of consumer debt, and then we paid our house off, people take notice when all of a sudden you're excited that you don't even have a house payment anymore. So um, that kind of started my journey as a financial coach. And so I'm not like an advisor or planner insurance agent. I just help people around the behavior and systems around money and money touches so many different things. I still feel like I'm a social worker, just helping people with the money part of their lives. Right. So Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of why I started this podcast in the first place. It's really a way to kind of marry my passion for like psychology and human behavior that I just love learning more about and what I do every day as a financial planner. And I think when you can really dive into the thought processes and the beliefs that are around the behaviors and the way that we approach money, then that is like, that helps you to be able to fully understand and to fully appreciate, I think, all of the tips and the tools that an advisor or a coach can teach you. And I think you need to really be able to learn and understand more about yourself in order to implement that. So it's super cool. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little more about how you work with your clients? I know you work with a lot of women and also with couples. So I'd love to hear more about your approach working with those types of people. Well, let me tell you first about why I decided to get my finances cleaned up. I think a lot of people think you just like wake up one day and you know, you were good with money and yeah, you know, social worker, we never made very much money. So I never thought I had any money to be good with. Um, and my husband was in healthcare and respiratory therapy. And so we weren't making a lot of money. Um, we were kind of that middle-class poor kind of environment. And One of my caseworker friends actually came to me and said, hey, you seem really good with your money. Will you come help me? Because we're always, you know, more month than we have money and live in paycheck to paycheck. And I didn't think I was very good with my money at that point. I just thought, okay, well, I was kind of interested in it. And I would watch interest rates and try to, you know, at least I didn't, I was able to get my bills paid and a little bit of savings, but nothing much fancier than that. And um, so we sat down at her kitchen table and kind of went through her bills and what do you give the kids for that? And what do you give the kids for this? And most of the answers were, I don't know, whatever, whatever comes up, right. Whatever I need. And um, she had two babies under three and two teenagers from a previous marriage and had just bought a new house. And, you know, we're looking at buying a new car and, you know, kind of the American way of life. And, I was just starting to get interested in getting my own stuff together and was excited that somebody would talk to me about it because people are very uh, private around their money and have all this shame and embarrassment and stuff and think everybody else is doing it great and except for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're the only one who's not, you know, got it all and figured out. Yeah. So she and I were going to read a book and be accountability buddies together and kind of figure this out. And she said, I don't have time to read a book when, you know, I got littles and work full time and yep, I hear that. Said, okay, well, I'll read the book. I'll be your cliff notes and let's just try to do something. Cause I want to learn how to do this better too. And, um, unfortunately I read the book. We met together, I think two times. And unfortunately she was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Oh my goodness. And it just rocked my world, you know? And I was like, Holy cow. And she was 42. I think I was 40. And we realized that, 
you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I, and that could have been me. And I just thought, you don't, nobody wants to plan for that or think that could ever, ever happen. But what you know, in your planning and, and that if people don't have a plan and life throws curveballs like that, it, it's 10 times worse, right? Bad enough to, and the, the husband was in the car and he suffered a traumatic brain injury and was in comas for like three months. And it just oh. was that everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, none of the children were hurt, but it, it made me wake up and say, okay, you know, I don't, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I sure don't want to leave my family in that predicament. Mm-hmm. And um, I need to do some work on our stuff. So that led a fire under me to say, okay, we're going to work on learning how to get control of our money because you can't just keep doing what everybody else is doing and think you're going to get ahead. You know, so one of the hardest parts for me was learning how to budget. Like I would say, I've tried that budgeting thing. It doesn't work. You know, <laughs> and everybody be like, oh, just do this budget and it'll just make your life. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. Well, the reason it didn't work is because I didn't realize that a budget was a living document. It had to change with you and your life. And it you can't just make up a number and think you can stick to it. You have to kind of be realistic about your life. Um, and so finally got my husband on board. I always handled the finances. So he's like, you got this, you're good at it. And I would balance the checkbooks and quicken and you know do all that piece. But that wasn't budgeting. That was tracking what, where we spent it, it wasn't planning ahead of time so that we could have some limits. And once we learned to give every dollar a name and start saying, okay, this is how much we're going to spend because we can see all these other things, whether it's goals of eliminating debt or saving for Christmas or planning for retirement, every dollar needed to have a purpose and, and start aligning those with our goals. Right. So, um, And then hating every dime I was given to the bank and interest, you know, motivated me to like do less, 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 right? I want to pay as little interest as possible um, because that's my hard-earned money. And when you start realizing how hard I work, I'm serving all these other people and families, but I can't take care of my own family. And I'm worried about running out of money. You know, part of my story is watching my mom run out of money and being how painful that is as an adult child to then be worried about what happens when mom's out of money, you know, and who's going to pick up the, you know, slack then. So um, it causes anxiety, that undue anxiety that you're going to then project onto yourself and your family because you're going to feel that, you know, you don't know any different. Right. And I love my mom and she was awesome with money, but she didn't really have any advisors and didn't really look at the whole big picture. And of course she retired about the time that 2007 and eight happened and everything came crashing down. So who can predict that? Right. But um, at the same time, I just want to do everything I can so that my kids aren't in that boat when, when I'm in that position, Um, not that I, you know, I can ever probably say never, but I'm hoping that some of these choices have put me in a better position um, to do that and to get educated because you don't know what you don't know. And you don't have, nobody teaches us this stuff in high school. And so then you get into adulthood and you're embarrassed and you think, well, everybody else must have it figured out. Cause look at their house and look at their car. Right. But what we don't realize is what's behind the curtain and how much debt they have and how much stress they have and how much they're fighting, you know, whatever. So 
that coupled with kind of my own journey of paying off 30 grand plus paying off our mortgage and cash flowing two kids through college when I didn't have a dime saved until the oldest was in ninth grade, you know, I'm like, people would say, how could you do that on a social worker salary? You know, I'm like, well, I learned that it's about my behavior. It's not about, you know, and it's also about my family's behavior and the choices that we make, where are they going to go to school? Where, how often are we going to eat out and how much, where can we travel? Right. I, and I see that as, as intention, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're determining what your priorities are and you are prioritizing your priority, you know, the, the most important thing to you. And for you, it was, it was paying for these kids to, to get an education. And so I see it in that way as, you know, it, the actions and the behaviors should be in alignment with what your goals, you wanted, what your goals are and what you want personally. Yeah. And your husband yeah. and you have to be on, on board with that together. Well, cause too often we just stumble into life, right. And you don't really have a goal and I'm still, I am still, you know, raise my hand. I'm as guilty as anybody about not being very intentional and setting goals. But when you just take a few minutes of quiet time and think about what's important to you. I can honestly say one of the, the last kind of quote unquote arguments we had around money was about whether we would pay for kids college or not. And I couldn't see how we could, and I didn't want to pay for college in lieu of retirement planning. You know, I knew that when you get old, nobody, you can't really borrow money out of retirement as I like to say, you can get a scholarship for college, but you or, or loans, but you can't get a scholarship or loans for retirement. Right, right. And so I knew that. And then I felt like the mean mommy who wouldn't let my kids go to whatever school they wanted. And you, you, you have all this peer pressure as a parent that what your friends are doing, oh, they're letting their kid go to this private school in another state. And I would be like, uh-uh, you can't do that. You got to go in state and you got to work and you know, so we had a lot of conversations over a number of years to find the sweet spot between what my husband wanted to do and felt obligated to pay for the kids college. And my old tough love social worker heart was like, ah, they could do it themselves, you know, and, and then looking at the reality of what college costs and, you know, waking up to that as well, that the world is different than when I went to school and, and the money's different and the access to scholarships and financial aid is different. So, you know, what I thought I could or would do morphed over time, but then we found a balance and then having dialogues with our, our kids, you know, high school through college kind of age kids saying, here's what we can do and here's what we can't do. And if you want to do more, it's on you, you know, and letting them learn that there's not an unlimited bank of mom and dad. And ultimately, you know, I think about this as I'm saving for my own kids' college. Ultimately, it's not the school you go to, it's what you do with it. Yes. So I right. think that's like the big, the, the missing component sometimes that, that people tend to miss if they want to send their kids to this, you know, expensive private school. Something, yeah. And I, I think that we had a real life example of that where my daughter was really into theater and you know, my feeling was like, you want a degree in what, you know, and how's, you know, you just hear all these horror stories about people getting degrees and they can't do anything with them. And um, she really wanted to go to NYU and we live in Colorado. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening. We can't, our money won't be a drop in the bucket at NYU. 
And so I said, you know, you get a degree in state and then you feel free to go to New York. And she did. And that's where she's been living and making a living in her industry in technical theater in New York and doing what she loved. But she could do that because she didn't have a bunch of student loans. Right. She had so many friends who who couldn't make ends meet to work in the theater district and still trying to pay off their hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans or something. Yeah. So, so, so is that how, so if you have a, a couple come to you and wants your advice and guidance, you know, and whatever their situation is, they have some, maybe they have some consumer debt, but they're looking also looking to pay for kids college and they've got, you know, a number of different maybe cash flow or budgeting scenarios. Is that like, what is the first step that you take? Is it, is it taking uh, stepping back before you dive into what all those goals are and taking an essentially like an inventory or getting an understanding for what their beliefs and mindsets are around money? Because in a, in a couple you can have, and I see it, this, this is definitely in my situation and was at least early on in the relationship somebody who is very much of a spender and doesn't, or doesn't think so much about money and somebody who is maybe the opposite and those conflict and that can cause a lot of, right. a, a lot of um, arguments and yeah. conflict in the relationship. So I'm curious how you approach a situation like that. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think you have to be living under a rock to not have heard the, the statistics about that finances are usually the number one or one of the top causes yeah. of divorce. Right. So, yeah. um, and whether it really goes as far as a divorce, it definitely, you could ask all of your friends, many of the arguments that they have are somehow around money. And so getting people on the same page and just asking the question and the story, you know, tell me about your background. Tell me about how you were raised with money. What do you remember about, um, you know, the, the kind of feeling around money, how you were growing up and, no two of us have the same story, you know, and whether, whether our parents were stressed out by money or we had everything we wanted, you know, it impacts who we become as an adult and the fears that we have and the behaviors that we exhibit. So I do start with that. I don't, I don't spend a ton of time, you know, hours and hours belaboring that it's not a therapy session, but I like to hear kind of, how were you raised? What was money like at your house? And what, you know, did you start working? And, you know, I had my first job at 10 or younger as a paper route, you know, and have always known how to make money. I just didn't know how to plan for the spending of money or manage it. Yeah. I could balance a checkbook when I was 13, but I couldn't do a budget until I was 40. (laughs) It's like, um, so it's easy task to do. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what's the pieces and how do you tie those together? And especially in a couple, like you said, oftentimes one is a spender, one is a saver or, you know, um, and they're not communicating and they don't really see the other point of view. And so just trying to share a little bit of their backstory before we delve into, okay, let me teach you how to budget and how to plan for the things coming up. And it's usually a hundred questions, you know, or more, a million questions. I don't know where it's like, well, because how you spend money doesn't have to be how I spend money, right? It's not my money, not my plan. I have to help them find their money story and their plan. Because I think people sometimes think if they hire me, I'm going to come in and tell them they can't spend any money. That's not my, yeah, it's exactly. And I, I feel the same way. It's like, 
clients don't want to face or they, they don't, it's almost like a little bit of a, a guilt and shame aspect around it. Like we're not going to tell you that you can't be spending X amount on Starbucks a day. We don't care about that. What we're trying to do is look for higher level trends in your cash, your, your cash flow, the income right. and the outflows and see what we can do. And, you know, and first of all, determine, is it even an issue? Are you spending what you're, what you're taking in? Are you spending more? Are you spending less? And if so, you know, what's the savings vehicles and what are we looking at there? But I think a lot of times people don't even want to face that because they don't want to admit that maybe they're spending X amount at, uh, on something that somebody else would deem not important, stupid. Exactly. And those are, those are the, the, that's the mindset stuff that you gotta, and if you're going to like make true progress in this area, you've got to let that stuff go. And that I think is so important to, to start with. Well, and I think it's progress, not perfection, right? Don't change our behavior overnight. And so, but if you can start being intentional with just even thinking about how much fancy coffee do I want? um, And what, how is that impacting something else I said that I wanted, which was travel, you know, did you want to drink it every day or do you want to save it up and go to XYZ place? Right. And how do they tie together? And then if you have debt, how is that preventing you from how much interest is the bank keeping every month? Um, and how much of that could be in your pocket so that you can use it? You know, whose house is bigger, the bank or yours? <laughs> you know, it's like, um, and trying to look at that, but also saying, no, sometimes I want a fancy coffee. Cool. How many? And, you know, how many do you need? How many times a week do you right. need to eat out? Could you put a pot of chili in the crock pot? just one night. So we don't eat out, you know, and build from that. Because I think when people first meet with me and they'll say things like, this is non-negotiable. I have to get my nails done, or I have to, you know, go golfing every week, whatever their thing is. Right. It's like, cool, put it in the budget. I don't care. You know? And then when you see it get down to negative, then you have to make the decision because you also said you want to save for the trip to Europe and you also wanted to pay down debt and you also want to do this we're at the negatives. How do you bring it back to zero? Because a, a budget is really just a dollar for every, or a name for every dollar that you bring in, right? It's like, if you bring in a thousand, then the outgo needs to be a thousand. It could go to savings. It could go to eating. It could go to debt. I don't care, but it needs to have a purpose. And that it's like you said, that's the intentionality that helps people then make the choice. Oh, yeah, I guess I don't love my nails as much as I said I did. I would rather go to Europe. So cool. Then you make that choice. I don't have to tell them to do that. Right. And I think the thing that people miss often is that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Right. And I think people forget about that because there is, there is a, um, a cause and effect for everything. And right. So when you say yes to getting your nails done all the time, then yeah, you're not necessarily going to have as much discretionary um, disposable income in order to save for that trip to Europe. But, yeah. but kind of, it's when you, you do, when you want to do both and you do both, that's when it can get you into trouble. Yeah. Well, so, and for somebody like you who helps people look for the long-term plan, if we don't have any left to grow our golden years fund, then you have to kind of face that monster too, to say, 
yeah, it's one thing to just spend every dollar that you make, but if you're not saving any for the future, how long did you want to work? You know, how long, what's going to be your ace in the hole when, and, and trying to remind people that life happens to the best of us, like my friend who died so young, you know, who plans for that and who wants to even think about that, but having the, the right foundation of a secure future, whether it's insurance or, you know, safety net and, you know, is a house right for everybody? Maybe not. And what's the kind of things that they need to look at all the working parts. And so it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a process. It takes us a little while to go, okay, now I'm ready. I've tackled this one part of my piece. Now I'm confident in that. It's like, you know, I always, when I talk to groups or whatever, I talk about the ballerina did not just get up on stage and start spinning around. She had to learn the steps and the skills and she had a coach and somebody that taught her and somebody that held her accountable and, and moved her up to those skills. We don't just start at the top of the game. Right. And we, we all think that we should have that figured out with money because we're, you know, 21. I'm like, no, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Well, and it also goes back to that point that you made earlier that, that they don't teach this stuff in school. And that's one of my big, biggest pain points, I think is why, why don't they? Because of course you're going to just go, you're going to graduate school. You're going to go into the real world and you have no idea what you're doing yet. You see somebody else who seems like they have it all together, right. Or they have it all or, or, or that they just give off the appearance that they do. Mm -hmm. And so I think the foundation of a, of a, a strong financial education is more important than many of the other things that we're learning in school. Just, just yep. putting it out there. Yep. Well, um, and I think it's not like our education should be done at 18, especially around right. money, right? right? Because we could be teaching better understanding about basic principles of compound interest and saving, you know, those kind of things. However, there has to be a little bit of life I think that's why my sort of ideal client is probably 40 to 50. You know, there's somebody who has some life behind them. Although some of my favorite clients right now are, are 20, 21 and they're, you know, but they're hungry for knowledge and they're willing to be taught. But some people feel like until you have some money, what are you going to budget? But I don't care if you have a babysitting job or a McDonald's job, you still should have some kind of plan for how much, Am I going to spend where and what's my goal? You know, is it to buy a car or, a, you know, whatever. So I think if we could teach some basics around that, it wouldn't be so hard and we wouldn't be undoing so much bad behavior in 40. Yeah. Okay. So, so speaking of that, that's one of the things I wanted to ask. One of the approaches that you, you use in working with your clients is to kind of view their money as behaving and misbehaving. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I like to tell people that I, I teach people how to make their money behave because I was a social worker and that's what I did for 30 years, right? Is like other kind of kind of behaviors. And I really think money's no different that if you if you don't teach it, it just kind of goes off and gets unruly sometimes. So um in you know, it's the the B word that nobody likes to use um is is a budget, but And I think sometimes people feel like they're going to be restricted and they're not going to get to do anything fun if I put them on a budget kind of thing. And so oftentimes we just use the word spending plan. It's the same thing. You're just getting each dollar 
a boundary, you know, is it a hundred or a thousand in that one category and then spend it wherever you want. I don't care if you eat every day at Taco Bell or one day at a steak and lobster, just you set the boundary, right? And then you make the choices month to month or paycheck to paycheck. I like to work with people by paycheck um, because so many of us get paid bi-weekly or bi-monthly and um, and your check can vary. So that's the other part that people will tell me, oh, I can't budget because my income varies. Well, that's all the more reason to budget, yeah. right? Yeah. Is because sometimes it's a thousand and sometimes it's 10,000. And so having a plan and trying to look ahead helps eliminate the stress and go, okay, well, right now it's a thousand. I'm going to do this with this one, but I've already, when I get to 2000, I get to fund this line item, right? So um, in talking with people, you know, I meet with people twice a month and I start with six months, but some of my clients I've had for several years and it's that accountability and growth kind of piece of, okay, I've got the basics down. Now I want to really up my level. And what do I want to do for this? And having those conversations about, you know, a lot of the people I, I coach have elderly parents and, you know, the stress in dealing with parents with dementia or dealing with their income issues or our kids and whether they're in activities like soccer and ballet, or if they're going to college or whatever, there's different things at different times in your life that you're needing to fund. And um, I think just being aware and then, and it triggers things. You know, one of the conversations I had just this morning was about holiday and Christmas spending. And are we going to, are we going to buy for everybody? And it's right now, as we record this, we're in July. Well, why are you talking about Christmas? Well, because believe it or not, Christmas is coming. And so it's a whole lot easier to plan in July or January for the next year than it is in November, right? right? And starting to think through what's your value? Do you have to buy for every niece and nephew and whatever grandparent? Or, you know, do you buy for no one? Do you celebrate? Do you not celebrate? How do those align with your significant other? And, and setting some, and having conversations with those people ahead of time too. So there's not hurt feelings in the moment of like, well, we did for you, but you didn't do for us or whatever. So learning to talk about money that seems to be such a taboo and um, embarrassing thing for so many people. Well, that's exactly it. That's I got, like the whole point of the podcast. I just want, I want to make this such a normal conversation to have rather than have it be something that triggers if it start if it comes up and you hear somebody is, you know, say, say that friends are all getting together and somebody says, Oh, I've already saved up for my kids. Christmas, you know, for right. Santa presents, whatever. And then somebody else hears that and they're like, oh no, I, you know, there, there, there becomes this guilt and shame that come around it. But instead of that, instead of feeling that way, I want to have more of these conversations and I want to have, bring each other up. I want yeah. to have it support, not in a way like one is better than the other. It's like, oh, cool. I didn't know that I can learn something from you. But we don't know that if we don't talk about it. Right. And so I think it's just our culture has just made this such of a stigma around it. And, there, and then it creates this sense of fear. And so I, I, just, I just want to promote this, these, these healthy conversations around it so that we cannot be competitive with each other and we can, we can be supportive and empowering to one another so that we can all learn and we can enjoy our lives and be our best selves and 
feel better about everything. Cause I think it creates a ton of anxiety for women, especially as well. Well, by nature of our, our society, especially in the U S where we have a such diverse, um, incomes and expenses and jobs, you know, one job pays really well and another job not so well. Does that mean they have more or less value, you know, and how do you, if you're always competing or comparing with somebody else, you know, you could live in a mansion and I have been a social worker. I can't really afford the mansion. Does that make, you know, and I think when people start realizing it's not about how much you spend. It's about how does that relate to what you have at your fingertips? You know, um, a lot of times people will say, well, how much should I be spending on groceries? How much should I spend on clothes? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I don't know what your values are. I don't know what your income is. I don't, you know, it's not about one finite number. Even percentages sometimes don't work because if you make a million dollars, 10% is a whole lot different purchasing power than 10% 10% of a hundred thousand or whatever. Right. So it, for me, it's, it's more about getting to know that person and having them do some introspective work about, well, today, at least I think this is my value. You know, it might be different next year. We don't just usually have them set in stone, but as we grow and change, you know, you hopefully are learning something new every day. And I've learned way more since I've become a coach than I knew before I was coaching. Is that interesting? I think that's something that you, that we forget that we're learning on the job and it's a, it's a huge growth curve. And we have, we're never, never at a point where, right. Where we know everything. Right. right? And And that's what I love being transparent with people and going, Hey, guess what I just learned? I, you know, and if I can tell you, cause you're younger than me, something that, man, I wish I would have known that at 30, you know, and that's sort of my passion and my um, kind of mission in life is to help people younger get smarter than I was, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I don't look down my nose and act like I did it all. I fall down and you just keep getting back up. I'm not perfect at this. And it's an everyday process and kind of, I liken it because of my background working with addicts is like, it's like recovery you know, you wake up every day and go, okay, I'm trying to be good with my money today and not make some huge mistakes. And hopefully I'm better than I was last year or yesterday, but do you have to be perfect at it? No. And, and I love the approach of taking it day by day too, because when you look at it as a whole, especially I'm sure, you know, your background, when you had, you said you had $30,000 of consumer debt, you know, you paid off your mortgage, you put kids through college. I mean, these are big things. Big, big, big parts of life that are, that I think can feel when you step back and you look at it all, it can feel so like there are these big blocks that you have to move. And for me anyway, when I step back and I see it all, I'm just like totally overwhelmed. But then when I'm, when I break it into baby steps and I'm in it every day and I'm, I'm moving towards those little, little tiny goals, breaking it down, um, then I, then it's more manageable. And I feel like, okay, I can, I can get through this. So if you take, break it, break it down into small steps and you try to move, move the ball forward every single day in some capacity, then. Which is why I think I like to budget by paycheck and not, not even by month, but you know, certainly not by year. Okay. This year we're going to spend, you know, $5,000 on groceries. Well, what are you going to spend in the next two weeks? You know, because you're, your holiday spending is different than 
you know, middle of March, let's say, or something. So thinking in two week increments or pay, pay period increments, let's say, even if you did get paid monthly, what's happening this month that I need to be aware of? Oh, well, it's almost back to school time or it's, you know, my mom's birthday or what, what do we need to be aware of in this cycle? However you break it down, that's not so hard, but for me to tell you what I'm going to do next February is almost impossible. Well, I also think that getting, you just kind of hit the nail on the head. It was something that's triggering for me because when you look ahead at the calendar, I tend to forget because I'm so just day by day and I don't look really. And then all of a sudden something, oh, you've got mother-in-law's birthday. You got to get a gift card. You've got, um, I don't even know, whatever is things that will pop up. The kids have uh, whatever, an expense for camp or something that they have to pay, you know, once a month. And it's always at the beginning of the month. And I tend to, I think, and if I do it, that I know a lot of other people probably do it too, but I tend to forget that stuff because I'm not really looking ahead. I'm just focused on like getting through today. And so all of a sudden I'll look at my, you know, my account or I think I have to plan for something and, and I forget that, oh yeah, I've got this other $50 or hundred dollar expense or something. And I just forget about it. And so I think, I think there's the intention, but there's also a, a forward looking planning aspect of it that is so important. So you don't get blindsided or surprise like, or, Oh crap, I forgot about that. That's another hundred dollars out the door. Do you know what I mean? Like you can plan for it. Well, and we Um, learn from our mistakes, right? So we can't necessarily, that's why you get better at this over time you don't do it perfectly the first month or six months or whatever, you get better because you stumble on something. You're like, Ooh, I'm not going to forget that one again, you know? And um, as, especially like you probably need a good year's worth of life to kind of figure out the things that you can forget. But, you know, I try to ask those questions so that they think of them much sooner. So a big one for people is um, well, it depends on, I guess, state to state is very different, but license plates, you know, if you drive a newer car, your, your registration can be fairly hefty and say, Ooh, that's, you know, I got the thing in the mail. And now within the next, you know, three to six weeks, I got to come up with $400. Oh, the excise tax. Yeah. That's brutal sometimes. Yeah. And so it's, and then I go, okay, let's set that aside. Every paycheck that becomes part of your budget. Let's do $50 a paycheck instead of $500 at once. Yeah. And so you know, every little thing you can break down into a, um, a smaller expense, whether it's, you know, we spend $2,000 at Christmas, or we're going to go on this trip, and it's X many dollars, or um, kids back to school, holy cow, back to school is an expensive month, right? When you pay the school fees, and you pay the clothing, and you're getting the supplies, and you're registering for this sport or whatever. I mean, so if you have a kid, start thinking about that right? Like, Oh, what do kids cost all year? And just brain dump, you know, or look back at your last year and go, Oh yeah, I forgot that, you know, they took this class or they wanted to take piano lessons or whatever. And starting to say no to some things and yes to some things and say, you know, okay, if that's a value of ours that we want to send our kids, or we need to send our kids somewhere in the summer because we work, what are we, how much are we going to spend next summer, summers are expensive. You think school is expensive, but summer when you all of a sudden have to entertain, especially like older kids that maybe have a different, they weren't in daycare during the school, but all of a sudden that you have to do something with this 12 year old for the summer, 
Well, then if you're dropping, you know, $500 a month on summer camps or something, it's a whole lot easier to plan now for next summer instead of waiting until where, because where's it going to go? If you didn't plan, it's going to go on a credit card. You're going to spend it. And you're not, you know, you're then paying interest on something and then you've got a new, you know, interest payment or, or credit card payment that you wouldn't have had. And if you do it now, you trim your lifestyle to say, Ooh, maybe we can't go out so much or we can't go on that weekend trip or whatever. Cause we, we got to think ahead of what's coming. So yes. the, the better you get at it, the more you don't fall down that hole again, <laughs> you divert, right? You're like, Ooh, not, I'm not going to get stuck in that trap next year. I'm going to plan for that one. Cause I know it's coming. Right. You stumble and fall, but you yeah. learn from mistakes along the yeah. way. Yeah. 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 I love it. I could talk to you about this stuff for hours. I think this is so just like you're talking my language, but as we start to think about wrapping up, I would love to hear, um, I asked this question to all of my guests. And if, if you could leave the listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Start today. Don't think you have to get ready to start and don't be perfect at it. Just start take a legal pad and write something down. Where's this money going? You know, I think we overthink it and think we have to be perfect at it before we execute it. And you really just need to start in some category. I don't care if you picked dining or groceries, like, okay, we're going to see how close we are. Just start. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that it's start in some capacity, move that ball forward a teeny little bit. You don't have to be, you know, climbing mountains today. That's and right. You're not going to, because if you think you're climbing mountains, you're going to get discouraged yeah. and you're going to get frustrated. You're going to give up because ultimately, right. That's human nature. We want to, to, uh, to accomplish things. We kind of, I think have this instinct in us that we have to be, we have to, we have to have accomplished something major in yeah. order. To, it's that perfectionism, yeah. right? If you're farther ahead today than you were yesterday, you're down the road. Right. And you know, maybe you, you didn't put as much on the credit card this month, you know, without being like, I can't go cold Turkey. But I think one of the other things that people need to give themselves grace and permission to fail and permission to, for their spouse to not be a hundred percent either. And to say, let's just, can we move forward? Can we get a little better at it year over year? And then all of a sudden it doesn't even feel like work anymore. It's exciting. It's fun. And, you know, once you get through some of the ugly stuff of paying off some debt and stuff, and you get to start saying, what am I going to do with this extra money? That's cool. You know? And then, then you start feeling like, okay, I'll do this all day long because I, I get the reward, but you're getting reward. Even if you're just paying off debt, when you're paying less in interest every month or, you know, um, find the wins and celebrate some wins and build in some goals. You know, I can talk about it all day long too. That's why I do it. Um, because it is, it is, you know, baby steps, but you have to just start somewhere. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. Please tell everybody listening how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing. That'd be awesome. I love visiting with people about this stuff. So um, I like speaking to groups. So even if they have like a company or something that's looking for a speaker, my easiest way to reach me is through my website, which is pennywisecoaching.com, P-E-N-N-Y-W-I-S-E-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com, Pennywise Coaching. Some people think my last name is Wise, but it's not. But my real name is Penny. 
And um, Facebook, I have a page on Facebook that you can follow along or message me through there if that's easier. Um, you can put in Pennywise Coaching and find me. I think it's technically Pennywise Financial Coaching. And um, I'm on Instagram a little bit, but more LinkedIn and Facebook would be kind of the places. But really just go to my website and message me. There's a calendar link right from there. If you want to, if you want to schedule, I will offer a free discovery call to anybody who wants to just poke around and kick the tires and talk about what coaching might do for them. Um, I'm very no pressure kind of, it has to be the right fit for people. So if it's not the right time, then stay in touch and, you know, learn what you can, but you can, you can sign up for my newsletter through my website and get some free information through that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Penny. This has just been such a delightful um, and fun, dare I say it, conversation (laughs) for me. (laughs) I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thanks for having me.